Radio Lucha. Radio Lucha is a podcast project produced by the Raza Press and Media Association. The goal of Radio Lucha is to provide a space for the voices of independent grassroots struggles for self-determination on the question of prisons, migrante rights, mujeres, education, media, community, politics, y cultura. Cubole Raza is a podcast show of Radio Lucha, a project of the Raza Press and Media Association. We are a show that focuses on interviews and discussions with those that are on the front lines of struggle for self-determination and liberation. We are broadcasting to you from the city of Chiques, Califas. In 2010, immediately after the introduction of Arizona's SB 1070, the Show Me Your Papers law, that codified racial profiling, State Superintendent of Public Instruction Tom Horn introduced another law, HB 2281. HB 2281 is a law that aims to eliminate ethnic studies in Arizona public schools, particularly Tucson Unified School District. Since the introduction and the passing of the law, there has been community resistance being led by educators and other community members. But now there's a new movement on the rise, and it's being led by students and youth. With us today, we have Elisa Mesa, one of the student organizers for Unidos, a youth formation that is taking on the defense of ethnic studies for all, and in particular, the Mexican-American Studies Program. Um, well, I'm a junior at the University of Arizona studying English and Mexican-American studies. Uh, I started working with Unidos uh, with about seven other alumni from local Tucson schools uh, directly from the Ethnic Studies program. I started working with them uh, last December on how to organize uh, with youth and start a youth coalition. So since December, we've been uh We've been working on outreaching to youth and outreaching in a way that it's uh, directly um, directly addressing HB 2281. So since December, we've been working on on building this base of youth activists and training them on how to understand the political climate here, understanding the intersections between education and immigration in Arizona. And since then, I've just been I've just been one of the one of the uh, adults, I guess you'd say, in the in the group. I'm only 20 years old, but now we have uh, ranged from freshmen to seniors in high schools from five different high schools, and it's been really fun. I've just been working with them. The past couple weeks has been mainly media, uh, working with media um, and them. So since the the student takeover. Excellent. And can you talk to us a little bit about? the Unidos, you know, program or the Unidos mission and why it was established in particular? So last year, in um, about November and October, November, the 11 ethnic studies teachers that filed a lawsuit against the state uh, because of HB 2281, they got super busy with the lawsuit. They, they, there was what their focus was. It was what our community was focusing on. And it meant a lot to us to have that sort of uh, exposure to the rest of the country in terms of the ethnic studies struggle here. But what we felt like was missing was the youth voice and youth activism, especially here in Tucson, because of the ethnic studies program. And this struggle has been going on since 2006 in the high schools, but the leadership has never been passed down and this organization has never been able to uh, build its capacity because of the amount of time it takes to do it. So in December, uh, about eight of us sat in a room and just realized, you know, how much youth voice needs to be organized right now as soon as possible. So during winter break, we worked on um, training how to um, send out media messaging, how to send out uh, press release forms, how to send out uh, calls to uh, media in, in the local community, and basically how to run a campaign. So as alumni of the high schools, about eight of us uh, decided, okay, now it's time to outreach to youth. So once we got youth in a room, we had maybe a, a, we had a really good turnout of about maybe 30 different youth from different high schools. And since then, we've been working on uh, education reform, reforming it uh, by the youth perspective and engaging them politically in their state and their education and focusing on how it's a human right. It's a human right just as much as being in the state is a human right and intersecting it to immigration policy and private prison industry uh, networks and just how much this state is affecting education because of its racist legislation. So getting them politically involved is is, is the mission. Thank you. And a couple of weeks ago, the world uh, has been introduced to the level of organizing that you all are doing with Unidos 
there in Tucson. Many people have been viewing some of the uh, footage from one of the actions that, that, that was organized at one of the board meetings. Can you talk to us a little bit about the action and the decision to make uh, this type of action a reality? in the struggle uh, against HB 2281? Uh, since the beginning of this year, when the bill was supposedly enforced on December 31st by the superintendent, then was Tom Horn. But now there was a shift in leadership in that uh, Superintendent Hoopenthal was now in power. And it became ambiguous to what our situation was like. What was going to happen to the courses? Were they going to disappear in the middle of the semester? Were they just going to be one day cut and the students would be left out of a class? It was very ambiguous. So since January, it's just been one big confusing cloud of who do we who do we address about this? Who do we talk to? And in uh, February, Unidos um, officially came out to the public at a press conference on February 8th at the TUSD board building. And um, there we addressed the board and said, we demand a sit down meeting with every one of the board members to discuss our stance against HB 2281 and to discuss what will happen with the bill. And we just, we demanded transparency. So since February, it's been even more ambiguous because the state began, hired their own private investigators and private audits began happening in the classrooms. So auditors were able to ha um, just step foot in the classrooms without um, announcement to listen in on the classrooms to see if we are out of compliance of this bill. Uh, if they see hints of ethnic chauvinism, if they see hints of us plotting against the U.S. government, not sure exactly what they're looking for. So it's been this, it's been really confusing and it's created a lot of tension between the youth and the TSC board because we've demanded just to know what's going on. So it's been one big misunderstanding. And the moment that we were getting really frustrated and really confused even more, the president of the TUSD board, uh, Mark Stegeman, uh, announced a resolution to create this resolution to basically dismantle the ethnic studies program really, really slowly. And for him, it was reform. It was reforming the program so that it would be more suitable for the district. But for us, making these classes electives instead of core classes meant a slow dismantlement because budget cuts weren't announced as well. And what are the first to go in education? Uh, the elective programs. So we this, this past Tuesday on April 26th was the day this resolution was going to be voted on. But because the youth and the community saw this resolution as a dismantlement of the program, especially at a time when the district didn't understand the bill itself. You know, how do you enforce HB 2281? How do you physically enforce it? So without even comprehending the bill, without even comprehending the political climate, TUSD attempted to pass this resolution to create, um, to make the classes elective. So on Tuesday, April 26th, Unidos organized themselves to, with one goal in mind, to stop the vote from happening. And we were successful that evening. And following week, from our understanding, uh, there was also another action that resulted in various arrests. Do you, can you tell us a little bit about, about what happened at the following meeting? So uh, after April 26th, the day after, of course, we, we got a lot of media attention a lot of media attention. It was almost, it was overboard how many people needed to talk to us. Then the community here in Tucson knew who to look to now. They, they saw what happened with the chaining to the school board seats and saw leadership in that. And it was empowering for the community. It was empowering because at a moment when we almost lost that momentum, when we almost lost, you know, uh, a lot of empowerment, we, we did that. And it was, it was, it was for the community, you know, so for the week in between April 26th and May 3rd, uh, there was just a lot of community outreach. So community came out to our meetings and community demanded a spot in making sure that their goal was ours as well. So community reached out to us and, you know, it was it was just a community based reaction. So we knew that TUSD would be militarizing their building. We knew that they were going to have heightened security and a lot of lot of police presence there. 
So knowing that, we wanted to make sure, you know, that Unidos youth were safe. We wanted to make sure that everyone was safe and that we weren't endangering ourselves. And the community wanted to take part. The community wanted to speak out. So inside the school board meeting, because only a certain amount of people were allowed inside the building, people were outside standing in the streets because the, the board put speakers outside on the buildings for us to hear the meeting happening. So we had hundreds of people outside in the streets with uh, police surrounding us, barricades and helicopters in the sky. And then inside the school board meeting, we had a uh, police presence and community members ready to, ready to sit in that room and, and demand attention. So what happened was that seven individuals, all women, were arrested, taken out of that boardroom because they demanded a longer extension of the call to the audience portion of the meeting. So because seven individuals, seven women spoke out, they were taken out by police force and a SWAT team came in the building. Riot police were ready to uh, take people out. It, it just created this militarized civil discourse. The call to the audience was no longer call to the audience. It was uh, a militarization unit. It was the school board called for arrests of these of these women and they were taken outside into vans. And then outside, the community reacted by blocking the vans from leaving, that they weren't going to be taken to the police or they weren't going to be taken to the jail that evening. So it was a it was a long, long evening of community reaction and community support for each other in, in what our atmosphere is like now. Yes, it seems like uh, there's a, a climate of tax that are happening to programs and, and also entire communities. Can you, uh, in a final note, talk to us or, or, or tell us a few things. One is why, why save ethnic studies, right? As a, as a youth organizer that's working with the students, what, why is the youth coming out so strongly in support of ethnic studies, in particular the MAS program? And then secondly, to tell our audience uh, how they can support Unidos and the struggle that's happening in Tucson and how they could get a hold of you. The youth movement is spiraling upwards right now it's it's empowering itself and to have youth be the ones that demand an education that should be the supplemental reason that school districts pay attention to them you know how often do you see a history course being demanded by youth themselves and having a history course that directly addresses their situations and their past and heritage it's nothing about not wanting to assimilate into American culture or American identity. It's simply wanting that empowerment in a system that isn't meant for them, especially in a state that doesn't appreciate the culture that is here. And we live in a state that uh, attacks our culture and attacks our presence as a people. And to have youth, you know, brown colored, not even colored students, students demand this certain subject and you when you plant the seed of consciousness and younger folks when you plant the seed of just them questioning authority and questioning why their situations are the way they are the world can change you know it starts with the youth mind and they get older and they become the people in charge and they become the decision makers they'll become the school board soon you know they'll they'll be the ones that can make decisions on their education and it should never be because of age the school board and an older adults should be listening to youth when this stuff stuff happens and to have a youth movement, that's the most empowering thing because, you know, when you get older and you become more situated in the job world and the job market that you don't have as much freedom. But these youth have the freedom to do this right now. And the fact that they're taking this into consideration in their lives and they're realizing how important it is to be politically engaged, that this is what's going to make the world change. Uh, nothing a lot older and especially in a state that doesn't support education to begin with. And this program, Mexican-American Studies, is the most successful program this district has ever seen. And to see a graduation rate that's skyrocketed, to see these students become empowered individuals, and then to even threaten it, you're going to get a reaction. And you're going to get a reaction from the kids that want it the most. It's just, it's empowerment for the community to have a youth movement here right now. Unidos is definitely, we definitely didn't expect what happened to happen and we didn't expect to, to get this attention and to be able to have support means the world to us in our community, not just the students in the, in the organization, but to be able to reach us at our, our blog, unidostucson.wordpress.com. And you can find us on Facebook with dots in between the letters. 
and uh, we're in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, well, let, let us just say that uh, we hope that our listeners are picking up uh, this information and supporting the struggle that's that's going down in Tucson. And just to repeat, uh, the the way you could get a hold, can you repeat again uh, how people can get a hold of you? Yeah, you can reach us at um, on our blog at unidostucson.wordpress.com. And then you can feel free to find us on Facebook, Unidos in um, Tucson, Arizona. Perfect. Well, Elisa, just uh, I want to tell you that many of us that were watching the footage from the direct action that, that was taken to uh, chain yourselves to the board chairs and stop the vote from happening sent chills up many people's spines and it was very inspirational <laughs> very inspirational and and it, it motivated uh, uh young and old you know and and we appreciate uh, the leadership that you all are holding down over there yeah thank you so much it it means the world to what's happening because this place is the beginning of all that's inevitable that can possibly happen to education it's happening right here in in arizona so to look down and look down at, at youth and to empower them and keep them engaged and just keep motivating them when they have, you know, when they have passions to keep motivating them. And that's all this community is. It's just one big passionate community. And it's, it's nothing to say that we're hostile or, you know, reacting in a disobedient way, but if we're just super passionate, this community is just super passionate. <laughs> That was Elisa Mesa from Tucson, Arizona, holding it down with Unidos in defensa de ethnic studies. And now, before our next segment, we're going to take you over to a quick song by El Vu, and the song is Mexica Tiawi. Esto es para todos los guerrilleros y las guerrilleras, los hijos y las hijas de la tierra, los abuelos y las abuelas de la futura, el tonatiu y tonantzin por las semillas de cultura. Es como refresas. Un respirar de la hierba con un corazón de fuego, mi amor es en la guerra. El tambor de mis deseos, pero mis manos están madera. Nunca puedo tocar o tener la trencera. Solo sabe Ishel, Tonantzin y la flecha. Quiero una esposa quien prefiera la tinta de la tierra. Y la ceremonia no la pinta cosmética de este pinche colonia. Esto es para las chapinas. Zapotecas, Mixtecas, Yucatanas, Tatuxanas, Tatejas Esto es para las zapatistas, sandonistas y las ejerciteras Mis compañeras, ellos no son indias, son los hijas indígenas de la tierra Vestida de jupiles, cual cobre los fusiles O Otams, Lakotas y Anishinabe Yoeme, Mexica y Maya, mi gente Oye, presidente Te pones en la boca, en cada oración te vomitas mentiras El pueblo te va a dar la bota quemando la de mentiras, delegación central de la opresión de nuestras vidas, perros migras, ellos son los inmigrantes, Anahuac hasta los Andes, somos los que llega antes, ahora vamos adelante, vamos adelante, deja el español, Mexica, Tiawi, Mexica, Tiawi, Mexica, Tiawi, pump your fist if you're a revolutionist, Mexica, Tiawi, Mexica, Tiawi, pump your fist if you live indigenous, Mexica, Tiawi, Mexica, Star Prancer, the mathematic master is measured and movement. Unapusen, this rainbow serpent. Constellation movement to the age of Visa. Releasing the knowledge of the Maya, Mexica. The energy of the rocks will start to talk. The ancient voices form a key to the lock. Setting you free, inevitably. Soon you will see we all sit in the shade of the sacred tree. Mystic energies, ancient philosophies. Nature in harmony with our theology. We studied everything, we studied everything. Mexica, Dowie, Mexica, Dowie. Pop your fist if you're a revolutionist. Mexica, Dowie, Mexica, Dowie. Pop your fist if you live indigenous. Mexica, 
is my weapon. I be the enemy, swallow pressures, keep stepping. Open up wide from north to south, yo. East to the west side, from what is above to the region of the dead. I spit indigenous lyrics, aim me straight for your head. Cause my blood is red, like I sun underground said. You can take my life, but you never give my soul. You're so equal than soul. Now I'm under control of my own destino. The sun godfather, like my name was Apachino. The earth mother goddess, the culture and the knowledge you can never rob from us. These are my protectors from all four sectors. The water keeps me going like a river when I'm flowing. The earth is my home, the place where I return whenever I begin to roam. The air in my lung helps the movement of my tongue, plus the fire is within from beginning to the end. So I grip the microphone like a boa constrictor, cause I am and always will be the victor. Mexica, Tiawi! Mexica, Tiawi! Mexica, Tiawi! Pop your fist if you're a revolutionist! Mexica, Tiawi! Mexica, Tiawi! Pop your fist if you live indigenous! Mexica, Tiawi! Mexica, Tiawi! Pop your fist if you're a revolutionist! Mexica, Tiawi! Mexica, Tiawi! Receive sight, now time to advance. I'm a man making my stand on stolen lands. With my soul in hand, I'ma grow, expand. Take it to the next level, sitting right in the middle between God and the devil. Keeping it heavy as metal on four wheels with dope skills. My flow kills idiots and ignorance. Now hold still, picture this me hitting this right out the park, straight into your heart for mine. Every time I construct a rhyme, I design it to enlighten the mind. Let the soul shine like a wax car. I'm not a fast car like NASCAR, yet I'm moving with. The speed and strength of 10 Jaguars Love it when the DJ throws the scratch hard That was El Vu bringing you the sweet sounds coming to you from Aslan. And next in our show today, we're going to have two guest speakers. First, we're going to be talking with Ernesto Bustillos. Ernesto Bustillos is with the Chicano Mexicano Prison Project. I'm going to talk a little bit about a conference that's coming up. And second, after that, we're going to be talking with Blanca Guzman. She's an educator in the Los Angeles area with the Association of Raza Educators which is going to talk a little bit about a very important conference that's coming up in the L.A. area. Okay, so aquí estamos con Ernesto Bustillos from the Chicano Mexicano Prison Project. Ernesto Bustillos has been holding it down in the trenches of the oppressed communities of Aslan and the barrio, particularly Barrio Logan. And so, Ernesto, how are you doing today? Doing fine, compa. Thank you for having me on your uh, radio show. Orale. No, th thank you for coming on board and, and giving us the rundown on, on the work coming out of San Diego and beyond the in the occupied territory. So the reason we wanted to touch base with you, brother, is uh, we wanted to check in on, on the work of the Chicano Mexicano Prison Project. Uh, you know, how's how's the work going for the project? Well, the work is going going well, but like uh, all struggle, we have our, our difficulties, we have our challenges and we have the problems. That uh, relatively speaking, the 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 project uh, Chicano Mexicano project uh, is going strong. You know, we're trying to to achieve the the objectives of the of the project. The conference that we're having in June, um, that I will speak about a little later, is part of uh, these objectives. So I think that the work we're doing is is going well, compa. Excellent. So for those that don't know the the work of the Chicano Mexicano Prison Project. Can you highlight some of the key areas of work that have been successful throughout the years for the project? Uh, yeah, compa, let me let me just start out by 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 saying what the 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 main uh, objectives of the uh, Chicano Mexicano Prison Project are. For those listeners who don't know who we are, the project was founded in 1993 as a project of Unión del Barrio, and this project has basically five objectives that we try to to implement and that we have been trying very hard to, 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 to materialize during the last 20 years of our existence. One uh, objective, which is probably the most important one, is to raise the political consciousness uh, of Raza prisoners. You know, our whole objective is to get prisoners into the liberation struggle versus continuing into life of crime, drugs, etc. Project number two would be to educate our community itself. Uh, as you know, and as uh, the listeners know, uh, very few in our community know the reality of prisons, you know, what is the reason for their existence. So we try to 
exposed the, the, the prison system, explaining to people that uh, these are basically, you know, camps that are there to, to oppress the great majority of the people, poor people, working people, and they're basically, you know, centers of profit for the rich. They make a lot of money out of the prisons. Objective three would be to expose to the world the hypocrisy of U.S. Uh, so-called democracy and justice. The reality is those of us who live within the borders of the United States understand that democracy and, and justice is only for the middle and upper classes, mostly white people, and that for the masses of the people, the poor and the work and the workers is jail and oppression. So we want to expose the hypocrisy of U.S. Uh, uh, US democracy, uh, so to speak. And for we want to create a network of uh, of human rights and and prisoner rights organizations that support uh, the same kind of understanding that we have. Uh, we feel that only you know by working with others, uniting with others, forming organization will be will we be able to to end this mass incarceration of our people. Uh, as all of us know, there's more raza in prison than there is in colleges, and we really think that that situation has to be put to, to an end. About uh, two decades ago, as like I said, when we were founded, we began uh, to try to implement these, these objectives. And through these last 20 years, we have uh, organized you know, conferences, uh, workshops. We have a newsletter called Las Calles, which we send to prisoners every three, three months. We hold street rallies, uh, corner rallies. We hand out information to, to Raza and the Barrios, you know, because we understand that the, the great majority of our people, because of the mass media, don't get to hear our side of the story. And by hitting the streets, by organizing these things that we organize, this is the way that we're going to, to fight against what we call the prison industrial complex. Uh, this is a way that we feel that uh, is the only way to reach the people. So these are the things that we've been doing uh, for the last two decades since the founding of the Chicano Mexicano Prison Project. Excellent, excellent. And before we we go into the details of the conference, can you just mention a little bit more because uh, regarding the newsletter, the, the Las Calles y la Torcida, because I I know a lot of uh, friends that that uh, were in prison that that actually read that 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 material and they spoke about the importance of that material going into them. Can you talk just a little bit about about the newsletter Las Calles y la Torcida, y la Torcida and uh, you know, how's that going? Uh, yes, compa. You know, the Las Calles y la Torcida is probably the only raza literature, you know, truly raza literature that prisoners get in, in, in when they're locked up. Uh, we're the only newsletter that talks about the whole question of Mexicano raza liberation. And we send out uh, at least 600 copies uh, by mail to prisons throughout what people call the United States and what some of us call occupied America. So we sent out 600 copies to to prisons in Texas, to prisons in uh, Arizona, to prisons throughout California, to prisons in Colorado, all the way up to New York. Uh, we sent uh, these newsletters out, and they're read not only by the prisoner uh, whose name is on the newsletter itself, but uh, those of us who know a little bit about prison life know that prisoners share their information. So this, this, this newsletter is literally read by, I would say, thousands of prisoners. And, and uh, this newsletter has always uh, two or three different sections to it. One is uh, a, 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 the political section where we try to update prisoners on, on issues, on burning issues, on hard-hitting issues that are, that are relevant today, that are happening today. Uh, such as the whole question of racist, fascist oppression coming down upon Mexicanos, Raza, and Arizona. We also talk about uh, the wars that are coming down against, uh, against the Arab peoples and Middle Eastern peoples uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. So we try to cover a, 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 a political kind of world and national situation. And then we also have another section where we, we focus on history because most of the prisoners, just like most people outside the prisons, know very little about raza history and culture. You know, we just celebrated Cinco de Mayo, and the great majority of Mexicanos still don't know what Cinco de Mayo really represents. Uh, so we try to, to 
include history in it because not only do we think history is important, but the, the prisoners themselves uh, uh, request that we send things regarding history, articles, information. So we always have a historical piece on it. Another section that's a regular part of the newsletter is what we call Cartas de la Pinta, and Pinta means prison. And here we, we, we publish letters that we get from prisoners uh, regarding the situation in prisons, regarding uh, the, how they see uh, the world. Uh, it's, it's basically the voice of Rasa prisoners. And, and uh, like I said, you're not going to find this nowhere else uh, but inside uh, the pages of our newsletter called Las Calles y La Torcida. So it's from the very first day in 1993 when we found it, uh, the Chicano Mexicano Prison Project, that's one of the things that we have been working on and it's been the, one of the most consistent uh, you know, publications in the history of our struggle, really. And, and it's really important and, and if there's any listeners out there who, you know, who are into you know, understanding or trying to understand the whole question of prisons, this is a, a, a newsletter they should read. And uh, I think before you know, this program's over, you can give them the... the uh, website uh, address to to the organization because people can really get a lot of information from these newsletters. Excellent. Yes, uh, the, that's exactly why I wanted uh, to talk a little bit about about that that particular area of work the Chicano Mexicano Prison Project is doing with the with the newsletter Las Calles y la Torcida, and and having that this particular radio uh, show Cubo de Raza, which aims to inform gente is a project of the Radio Lucha, which in, in and of itself is some of the work that the Raza Press and Media Association is doing, of which the Las Calles and Las Torcillas is a member of. And so so I wanted to highlight that area of, of work because of the, the importance of, of literature and media in, in, in our struggle for liberation. So, so to end, uh, brother, we wanted to talk a little bit about the upcoming Chicano Mexicano Prison Project. Can you can you give us a little bit of the details as far as the title, the lo the location, the date, and also the objectives of the conferencia? Okay, compa. Well, since uh, 1997, uh, every year we've been holding what we call conferences on raza prisoners and colonialism. the The theme of this year's conference uh, is prisons, care for the poor profits for the rich, because we, we truly believe that prisons are, are just uh, of manifestations of terror, and that uh, the great majority of the people who are being terrorized in prison, psychologically and physically, are poor and workers of all colors and of all nationalities, but the people who make the profits are the rich. So we see this, this connection, and we want to make sure that whoever runs into our propaganda, or our literature, uh, whoever we speak to, understands that the message that, that we're coming from. Right now, we're on what we call the organizational stages of this year's conference, and the conference is set for Saturday, June 11th, and it's going to be held at the Logan Heights Library, which is located in Barrio Logan Heights here in San Diego. For those listeners who don't know about Logan Heights, Logan Heights is one of the oldest neighborhoods, largest Mexican neighborhoods here in San Diego, and it has a long history of being a very combative, very political uh, community. Uh, if you drive through the community here, you'll see Mexican flags and porches. There's demonstrations here. Chicano Park is five blocks away from the library where the conference is going to be held. So the area itself is significant, it's historical, and it's really important that, uh, that people understand that because we try to tie all our work into the, the struggle of our community. Uh, the conference has some objectives, I think, that I would like to share. One is, is that uh, we want to continue what we started when we, uh, for the last few years, is to, to create a network of, of Raza uh, who are struggling uh, against the mass incarceration of our community. Uh, we're trying to get and have been trying to get different groups and individuals to, to unite in some form, some shape, some way, and this conference is a way of doing this. Uh, the conference also is going to be a place, a space where people can learn and share from each other to make us better organizers, better fighters for social justice, 
because the answer to our problems are not going to be found in the internet. They're not going to be found in the schools. It's going to be the answer is going to be created and it's going to come from our struggle because our struggle has to do with rasa liberation and rasa liberation can only only be dealt by and and led by our community. So that's that's one of the focuses. The other one is to develop strategies and tactics of struggle. Uh, we need to know how to how to how to be more creative, uh, how to be more organized, and by listening to others, we, we we can create these these strategies that our community needs to liberate themselves. And then finally, we want to put out some some resolutions, some proposals that that we can present to our communities, logical, you know, uh, real scientific proposals, not the kind of proposals that we get from the sellout vendidos who you know, want us to work with the Democratic Party, who want us to work with the Democratic Party, uh, the Republican Party, the, you know, working within the system. We, we, we want to create some real solutions, and, and this gives us the opportunity to do that, and this gives us the opportunity to share, you know, how we really feel, how we really see things with our community. As most, you know, people know, the, the whole question of prisoner rights is not a very popular um, issue. And when I say popular, I mean very few people are really into it, and and we know because the the media has completely, you know, uh, created a situation that uh, that negates any kind of humanity to prisoners. So people uh, uh, don't respond like they do to other issues. So it's a very difficult struggle. The the project, the, the Chicano Mexicano Prison Project itself, is a very small group. Our meetings, our conferences. Uh, we don't get large turnouts, so we're not expecting, quote, a large turnout. But all of our events, and this is super important for all to, 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 to take note, all of our events, even if they're small in attendance, are excellent in quality and, and militant and straightforward. So if people want to really get, you know, some real information, they really want to get the truth, uh, you know, they should attend this conference. Because this is where we really, you know, be are able to discuss things from, like I said, a liberation perspective. Something they won't find anywhere else. Compañero Ernesto, any final thoughts for or commentary for our compañeros that are listening, compañeras? Well, we just hope that uh, people can uh, attempt, make every effort to attempt to attend. And uh, we want to thank uh, the program, Kibo La Raza. And we want to say que viva la raza, all power to the people, compa. Right on, man. Muchas gracias. So next on our show today... We have to us from the Los Angeles area. She's an educator representing the Association of Raza Educators. And Blanca Guzman, which is her name, is going to be talking to us a little bit about a conference that's coming up and the Association of Raza Educators. Blanca, how are you doing today? We're doing good. We're doing good, sister. You know, just trying to hold it down right here. So, compañera, can you uh, talk to us a little bit about ARRE, the Association of Raza Educators, you know, some of the main objectives of ARRE and, and, and uh, the work that you all are doing. Yes, definitely. Um, well, it's obviously no secret that the educational system that we uh, currently have is an oppressive system. Um, it's an mm-hmm. oppressive system that serves to uh, continuously keep our, our children, you know, uh, in the manos of you know, capitalistas, just produce these, these kids who have are being put through a system that literally lacks any form of, of humanizing. So. What uh, Are has recognized in, in um, you know, historically is that is the existence of that oppressive system and the need to bring uh, Rasa educators together, hence the Association of Rasa Educators, and Rasa meaning all oppressed people of color. So basically what Are does is it uh, brings educators together, community members, parents, and youth uh, with the hope of bringing an end to that oppressive system. Obviously, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's work that we continuously do on a daily basis with youth in our communities, with educators in our communities. We offer that space. We create that space where they can come together. We've worked on numerous projects, numerous campaigns to begin to liberate some of those spaces, some of those spaces that are currently um, being, I guess you could say, controlled no, through, through these corporations, through our government, and not so much by the people, by the students and community members and educators as it should be. Right on. I, I personally have gone to all of the conferences that ARRE is organizing, and I think the work you all are doing is excellent work. 
in these critical times, you know, you know, in the in light of these budget cuts and, and layoffs and things like that, how how is it that that Are as as resisting, you know, these essentially attacks on education in general and then the comunidades in particular? I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind is um, one of the things that I've seen, even myself and the youth that I work with, you know, if you say, how do we resist? It's through these spaces that we've created. Um, Are, uh, we, we all know, you know, meets on a monthly basis, but it's not on a monthly basis that we do this work. On It's on a daily basis as educators. We're in our classroom. We're working with our youth. We're creating curriculum that serves the purpose of, of liberating our, our youth from within this oppressive system. But also as educators, we come together to build uh, grassroots organizing because we know that if we kind of just sit back and let it happen, it's going to swallow swallows up all. So what we do is we work to ensure that our youth are not lost in that system, that our educators are not lost in that system. One of the things that I know um, has helped, you know, with Ari is coming together, creating our, our committees. We do have different communities that serve different purposes because, as we know, it's not just one problem that we're facing as educators or even as students, as uh, community members or parents in the school system, because I'm also a parent of a, of a student in the school system. So I, I have my own struggle as a parent. I have my own struggle as an educator, I see my own child having her own struggles as a youth. So there's is there, there's an array of uh, ways that our kids, ourselves, and you know, educators, parents, and so forth are being oppressed. So it's um, I, you know, bringing the everything together, the community together, the parents, where we get to work, uh, do this work. For example, we get to focus on AB 540 students. We also get to focus on working and organizing with the youth. We also get to focus on the PE, the political education of our of our teachers. So it's a it's a, a dimensional right uh, work that we do. It's not just in one way. And yeah, the attacks that we continue to see are attacks that we fight on a daily basis. And it's every day that it's in a crear, no nuevas ideas or no new ways of dealing with these, these attacks. Excellent, excellent. And and in that sense, in that light. You know, part of the resistance, as you said, and is is creating these spaces. Can you talk to us a little bit about the Arre conferences, and and we'll get into a little bit of the details of the conference later, as far as the time and location. But can you talk to us about the objectives and why Arre organizes these conferences, and who comes to these conferences, and why? In in terms of who comes and, and why, let me start there. Um, the Arre conferences uh, usually open up to everyone. Uh, there is no, you know, okay, you're a professor, you can't come, or you know, you're you're a principal, you can't come. Usually, what we see is it attracts a general, uh, you know, representation of our community. You see teachers, you see college students who are thinking of becoming educators, you see high school students, you see parents, you see community members, uh, you know, compañeros from other organizations. You see an array of different individuals. So that's the one thing that, that I've liked, and that's the one thing that got me into it. In fact, I was uh, invited to an ADIC conference by a former student, um, and, and that says a lot because that, that means that even our, our college students in, uh, are being exposed to these spaces before they even become educators and, and, and become part of this you know, system, uh, oppressive system, that they're being you know, reached out to by organizations like I. So we, we come together with the idea of creating that one space where we can begin to organize, where we can bring together our struggles, identify what these are. For example, our conference is seeking to look, not just that, let's say, the attacks on education through the uh, March 4th you know, um, coalition, but also looking at youth organizing, also looking at, okay, well, we see that this is happening in our educational system, what are we going to do? And our freedom, the Freedom School, which I'll talk about a little bit later, and, uh, you know, and also campaigns. Okay, we see that this is going on, let's say budget cuts, let's say the DREAM Act, uh, the state DREAM Act. What are we going to do? It's not just about, okay, coming in, closing doors, organizing, meeting, listening to speakers, but what are we going to do to respond to it? Um, one of the things that I can tell you that I personally and my students have gotten out of the Arctic Conference is that, is that inspiration, that, that, that idea that we can actually take action. It's not just about, okay, complaining and, and, and identifying those oppressive, the, the oppressive factors within that system and saying, okay, and that's what we saw with our youth last year when they went to the San Diego conference, uh, just so you know, the conference takes one year in LA, the other year is in San Diego, and we go back and forth. The first year of our conference was in 2007, and we are now going to have our fifth annual conference. But ever since then, um, and I wasn't at that conference, but I've actually watched the video, what you see is a, is 
the educators, the students, and, and so forth, parents, finding that common ground, like, you know, realizing, like, hey, we are in the process of because some people don't even realize. They don't realize the attacks that we're facing. We just through standardized testing or even through the Eurocentric curriculum that we that our students uh, receive. And then when you bring educators together, you bring, you know, uh, students, you bring familias together, people begin to see, hey, we're also facing that same struggle just down the street. And so what you do is you build that community. You build that space where not only you get that, you get to hear each other's struggles, you get to network and you get to create, you know, uh, that change. And that's what I saw personally with me. That's what happened. I went to an audit conference and I was like, Oh, damn, someone else is also going through this. Someone else is also seeing the oppressive conditions our kids are living in. And I'm actually going to start doing something about it, not just complaining about it, not just sitting back and saying, okay, it's going to happen. Adi offers you that space where you can actually work together with other individuals, not just educators, but other individuals, community members, and so forth, and make something, do something about what, you know, what we see going on. The same thing happened with my youth. I went about three years ago, back in 2008, and so I've been involved for three years already, and I've been part of, you know, uh, organizing conferences. I've been part of creating, uh, you know, uh, the committee, working with the committee with the Freedom School. I've been part of, you know, even trying to reach out to other community organizations. But even my own youth, you're talking about 14, 15, 16-year-olds who went to the conference in San Diego last year, and, you know, listen to an array of speakers, not just educators, but community members speak and found, found a, lot of, uh, a lot of struggles in common, came back to the classroom in a meeting and said, Ms. Guzman, we want to do something about it. And I'll tell you, from then, a year ago, and, and these students are coming back this year to the conference, and they're saying, this is where we started. We started an attic. You know, and they recognize that we started an attic, meaning uh, we realize we have to do something about it because a lot of us are, are, are conscientious of that of that uh, oppressive system. But how many of us truly take the time to organize and, and, and take the and take the action necessary? So the kids are now coming back this year, but in a whole year, if I told you everything they've done and the new policies within our own school, North Hollywood High, and what what exists there now for visitor policies and tie that over to the military recruitment and the students are fighting. You know, you'd be surprised. The struggle, a whole year of struggle. And again, ARE, as, long, as well as, you know, Union del Barrio, different community org spaces that, you know, lent a, a hand to our kids and actually came out and struggled with them and, and protested and, and wrote, you know, uh, helped them write uh, letters and, and so forth uh, to the district to help the students organize and to help the students bring about some things. So that's what ARE does. It creates that one space. And then as educators, you decide what are you going to do with it? You're getting a lot of information. You're, you're sharing a lot of stories. You're hearing a lot. Now let's get some work done. And, and that's what you tend to see happen in, in, in the ADE conferences. Okay, you, you come, you network, and then you build from there. And that's what you, know, you do the grassroots organizing. You, you bring in those, those efforts, the community efforts to do that. Excellent, excellent. And, and I know you were going to talk a little bit, and we want you to say a few words about it. You know, one of the uh, areas of, of work that Ar is participating in is this, uh, this thing called the Freedom Schools. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the Freedom Schools and, and, and let our, our listeners know what the Freedom School projects are? Yes, the, the Freedom School project, uh, Freedom School is basically, it's in its moments of development. So, as you know, uh, we, we've identified, obviously, and, and come to an agreement that our students, our youth, our educators are in a system. Right, that that is that is oppressive. Not only in the curriculum, right, the Eurocentric curriculum that our students are receiving that lacks their own stories, that that lacks you know any relevance to their own life, but we're also we're also seeing the attacks on educators through let's say salary cuts, standardized testing that we're we're being forced to teach to a test, and all of that you know contributes to dehumanizing of, of our of our children. As uh, community members in the Freedom School Committee, we realized that that needs to change. We needed to change that. We need we needed to create a space where our students would we were, would be free of that of that influence that let's say standardized testing that uh, curriculum that has no relevance to their history no relevance to their identity to their existence uh, and actually includes history that más que nada los pone hacia abajo you know puts the people down 
So what we decided to do is begin to organize. This project began, I want to say, almost a year ago, maybe even before that, the talks began, but the actual work began almost a, a year ago with the intention of offering a summer program. Obviously, the, the details are still not all there yet, but we're, we are thinking of it being in implemented in the summer with the collaboration of educators and community members who are identifying youth in a, in a community space. Uh, right now we're looking at Watts as one of the options, but obviously we're, we're, our hope is to grow and bring in these youth and present them with, with a critical pedagogy that basically many of them don't get to see in their, in their uh, classroom, in the classroom. So we're planning that. That, that is, our, is, our, um, is our hope to get it going this, um, this, um, this summer and basically get them out of the classroom space and let the educators, let the students, because they're, they're also being surveyed for what they feel they, they uh, are their needs in their community. So the students, for example, in Watts, they had been struggling with uh, receiving truancy tickets. So they, we also ask them, they're part of the decision-making as to what it is that they're going to be learning. It's not just even us as educators thinking, okay, we know what you should be learning. No, it's what do you feel that is important. And they uh, completed a survey and returned it to us explaining these are the things that we would like to see in our curriculum. So bringing all of that together, the effort, the collaboration, and we're able to identify, you know, what it is that, that the youth would like to learn and not so much, you know, what the state wants them to learn. And then create a space. We're not sure exactly where uh, we're going to be uh, working out of, but creating space outside of an institution and hopefully creating creating an environment for them that's conducive to to education, a critical a critical pedagogy. And not so much, you know, the state, the state um, curriculum that they tend to receive. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, just to keep us posted on on the, the progress of that, that way we can let our listeners know how they could uh, support or participate, you know, in the in this very important uh, work of, of of creating these the freedom schools. So, uh, to end, uh, we want you to Blanca, por favor, if you could tell us a little bit about the details, some of the details uh, of the the conference itself, where it's going to be at, et cetera, for those listeners that, that might want to come and participate because uh, especially if they're in the Southern California area, you know, you don't want to miss out on this. So, compañera, can you talk a little bit about the, the conference? Yeah, and just to quickly add, uh, one of the things that we want to just make clear is with the Freedom School as well with this conference, lo que estamos haciendo reclamando, right, reclaiming our public education because it belongs to us, not to the state. Uh, but we are definitely going to be having the conference May 28th at 8 a.m. at West Adams High School. They, uh, anyone who's interested in going can uh, register online at rasaeducators.org. Again, rasaeducators.org. Um, if they're interested in joining ARE, obviously we can always uh, use you know more more members. They can also visit arelosangeles.com. Uh, but that's our conference will be May 28th. It's Saturday. It's two weeks from from now, and we are asking that um, individuals uh, understand that our our main goal is to bring together the, the different community members, like I said earlier, educators, teachers, and so forth. I'm sorry, educators, community members, estudiantes, parents, and so forth, to bring to start creating that dialogue uh, for possible campaigns, even uh, community organizing that needs that needs that we need to begin to see because obviously we're continuously seeing attacks on, on public education, attacks on our on our um, our children, and, and we need to come together to build. Again, at West Adams High School, I believe it is uh, across streets are Washington and Ver Vermont, but obviously anyone who wants that information can get it off the website as well. And, and we're going to be offering different workshops, different speakers. We're going to be having Norma Gonzalez, which I think is important as well because another of the attacks that we're seeing right now, especially in in uh, Arizona, we currently see a lawsuit against the state of Arizona because they're trying to eliminate Rasa studies. That's again another form of attack on education, right, and our and our children. So we're going to have Norma Gonzalez speak as a keynote speaker, and then Harry Simon, which is obviously the original, uh, one of the original founders of ARE, and also uh, currently in leadership of Women Barrio. Excellent, excellent. And and again, uh, the conference is entitled "Humanizing Education." as a tool for resistance and self-determination. And as Blanca shared with us, it's coming up on Saturday, May 28th at West Adams Prep, located at 1500 West Washington Boulevard. They're going to have an array of topics, as a compañera shared, on community youth organizing, studies, social movements, decolonizing pedagogy. You don't want to miss out on this. And, uh, and for more information, uh, rasaeducators.org. Any last parting words, uh, compañera Blanca? No, I, I just really hope that I that I get to see, you know, again, 
a estudiantes, you know, maestros, miembros de la comunidad, anyone who's interested, anyone who's tired of seeing, you know, uh, our children be utilized the way that they are, anyone who's tired of seeing our schools being taken over, even by charter schools, that will also be discussed. Anyone who's tired of, of, of seeing our students only be taught a Eurocentric curriculum, obviously, um, you know, this would be the space to, to start bringing about that change, organizing and coming in contact with other individuals who share some of the same concerns and struggles. Well, we want to thank you, Blanca, for, for taking a little bit of your time because, you know, we know for a fact that you taught all day today and, and, and we're in the classroom and, and dealing with the, the, the current struggles that are happening on a day-to-day basis. So we do appreciate your time and coming on to Kibula uh, Raza to talk a little bit about all of the work that Ari is doing. No, no problem. Always, you know, pleasure for me to do what, I, what we have to do to get the, the work. Okay, muchas gracias, compañera. Y nos vemos allí en la conferencia. We want to thank everybody for joining us today on Cupola Raza, especially our guest speakers, Elena Mesa from Unidos, Tucson, Arizona, Ernesto Bustillos from San Diego Califas, representing Chicana Mexicana Prison Project, and lastly, Blanca Guzman, educator from Los Angeles, representing the Association of Raza Educators. And in particular, our producer, Luis Moreno from the Raza Press and Media Association. Now, before we leave, we'll let you know that Cubula Raza comes out every third Wednesday of the month. I'm going to leave you with a song from Quinto Sol, Los Hijos de Maíz. Los cañones, suenan los tambores, les llegó la hora, 
a los impostores, subraya los problemas, busca la solución, no quiero que esta letra sea una simple canción, simple mueres canción. o lloras, luchas o imploras, sus acciones en la historia, ¿qué es lo que dirán? A los hijos del maíz, a los hijos del maíz, los hijos del maíz, los han hecho sufrir, los han hecho sufrir y los quieren ver morir, a los hijos del maíz, a los hijos del maíz, los hijos del maíz, los han hecho Recuerda todos los tropiezos que hemos tenido a lo largo de toda nuestra vida. Sin embargo, continuamos cayendo en los mismos errores. Seguimos siendo psicológicamente controlados, dominados. Y para poder romper este ciclo, se necesita una iniciativa individual con mucha disciplina. Cada uno de nosotros tenemos que terminar con el egoísmo, eliminando el yo y reemplazándolo con el nosotros. De la misma manera que nuestros antepasados coexistían colectivamente de una manera más espiritual nosotros somos descendientes de una raza pura única con mucho conocimiento no dejemos morir nuestro pasado hay que rescatarlo de las garras del materialismo del egoísmo de la ignorancia porque todo esto en conjunto es la cuna donde nace la envidia la traición y el racismo y todas las energías negativas que han atacado a nuestra gente por más de 500 años es tiempo de reparar los daños a la raza de los cosmos, los hijos del maíz.